when Gina and I were observing you, Mark, with Victor and Anthony in the mastermind. Yes. Oh, this we, is. This mm, was a, a mastermind sexy. with some VIP attendees at Outbound. Gina and I were at the back of the room observing and just put passing notes back and forth like, this is so sexy. Like little girls. We're little Look girls. Look how sexy they are. Like bantering <laughs> off of each other. That's the sexiest thing. <laughs> Was there a question there, Rachel? I know. What what am I supposed to do with that? I really don't know. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. The podcast that makes business sexy again. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching at Sales Gravy. And I'm Rachel Pitts. I am a Master Sales Coach at Sales Gravy and creator of Your UltraFit Lifestyle. And we've got the hunter, the sales hunter, Ooh. Mark Hunter on our show today. Mm, I love some Mark Hunter. Like he is the coolest, funnest. He's just a cool dude and he's a smart dude. And there is so much about him. I'm just going to throw some things out there. He was born to be in sales because his birth certificate says Hunter. He's a hunter. And that's what he's been in his sales career. And his journey includes all multiple sales and leadership roles with three Fortune 500 companies. And there is just so much about him. And he created the name The Sales Hunter more than 20 years ago. He also has three best-selling books called High Profit Selling, High Profit Prospecting, and a book that we were trying to get him to talk about in this episode called A Mind for Sales. And I swear he wanted to talk about anything but this book that we were trying to get him to talk about, which is a fantastic book. Um, and he's just so sweet and so funny and has such a an engaging and warm personality. It's no wonder that he is a great salesperson as well. I, I, I agree, Rachel. One of the things I loved best about him meeting him in person at Outbound is how truly, like how truly authentic and warm and sweet he is. Just like all of the speakers at Outbound, and that's what I love about Outbound because it, it brings all of these different sales experts and, and thought leaders together, and they, they truly care about people. And he was really awesome to us in helping us with our live stream at Outbound. And w- what I love about this episode is we talk a lot about, we talk a lot about a lot um, other than his book, uh, but we talk a lot about the importance of caring and how that is a major theme in sales if you want to be successful. Yep. Mark says that sales is all about helping customers see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. And he's got a really, he's got some really great tips in this episode. Once we get over some of the funny (laughs) stories about the importance of authenticity and empathy and just learning to shut up and listen. Which, you know, none of us were really shutting up. I mean, you were shutting up, Rachel, but me and Mark, yippity, yappity, yippity, yappity. You know what, Warners? You're just going to have to sit back and go on the ride from mortuaries to marketing. That's what this episode is about with Mark Hunter. You know what was my favorite part about Outbound? And and I can people, st- I, I guess I should know this. Can people still buy virtual tickets? Like replay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can. So that's a good opportunity to go buy 
tickets to go to Outbound that you missed and take advantage of all that amazing content, including when Mark Hunter ambushed us during the Women Your Mother Warned You About live at Outbound. And I was referred to by as being E.T. sitting between you. Did you hear that too? Yes, you were. Yes. yes. <laughs> Who said that? Did Jeb say that? <laughs> Jeb said You know what's funny? Because I mean, I didn't want to stick around. And 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 I don't know if it was Gina, you or you Rach, but no, stay, stay. I I was planning just to be there for a couple of minutes and then leave. Oh, well, we were glad you stayed. I didn't want to upstate. Uh, my job was to compliment and support you, not upstage. Oh, there was everybody on that stage that day was upstaging us and we were glad for it because it was such a that podcast live broadcast of the podcast, if you will, was so full of energy and fun. I just I loved it so much and I'm glad you were part of it. And all I can say is that Judith hit me up afterwards for like a dozen of my books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, and it was like I was fine. I was happy to give them. I was happy to give them. Well, you know what happened? You, you, you guys, all of y'all, all y'all, all y'all, all y'all. All y'all, all is, y'all. That, is that plural or is that singular? <laughs> all y'all, all, all y'all's plural. And I'm from Chicago, but I live in the South now. All y'all got crazy with your giveaways, and then we're like, don't forget our virtual audience, which I would love to talk to you about because this is my next blog art- article is our new hybrid world, because one of the things that that showed up for Rachel and I, like we did our live stream the first day and then the second day. Well, we forgot on the first day that there we forgot the virtual audience, and they were like, "Oh my god, the virtual. because they're virtual, oh they're my. not there, <laughs> right?" And then the second day, we're like, "Okay, virtual audience," and then everyone's giving things away, and we're like, "What about the virtual audience?" And they were in it, and they were like, "Yeah, I want a shirt, I want a book," and like poor Judith wanted to kill us. She was at the bottom of the stage, like, "What are you guys doing?" I I took care of her. I gave her a dozen books, so I took care of you. Hey, hey. I, I again, I step up and take care of the virtual audience. And thank you for that. I, I, I take care of the invisible people because I'm used to being invisible myself. Well, let's dive into that, Mark Hunter. Let's dive. Why? Why are you used to being invisible? I'm joking. I have no idea. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just. <sighs> are you making because up shit it, now? because you're not tall enough? People never notice you because you're. Yeah, people stature. don't. Know. People always say, man, you're a lot taller like you look like in your LinkedIn photo. Well, no joke. I mean, jeez. I mean, give me a break. I met someone the other day, and for whatever reason, I didn't and I didn't anticipate that this person would be short. And it was literally like I had to hold myself back from saying out loud, wow, you're a lot shorter than I thought you might be. Like, I had to literally like, hmm. <laughs> See, that's like that's like the fatal sin of of telling any kind of fem- any female, hey, congratulations on being pregnant oh, and, no. and finding out that they're not pregnant. Yeah, yeah. you right, just right, don't right. ever say I mean, that, even every, if they're obviously pregnant. Right, right, just don't right. say you, it. You never th- th- that is a that is a man rule that every man has violated once in their lifetime. And all they have to do is violate it once and they'll never violate it again. But you never comment on a woman's pregnancy until she tells you she is pregnant, period. See, I'm just, I'm just full of advice here. See, I'm just, I'm just brought brought to you by Mark Hunter, the man behind a mind for sale. $5. There you go. You're up to $10 now. Mm -hmm. Oh, but she's holding, she's holding up the book. See, there it is. There it is. There it is. 
<laughs> Whoa. You, ooh, was it signed? Copy too. Of course. Well, signed. It's a signed since copy. Gina is touting your fabulous book. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what what is a mind for sales and what why should people read it? Well, why should I tell you? Because oh no, that could that could that joke could go bad real quickly. So we won't we won't continue down that path. Oh, oh. now I'm curious. Okay. No, I was just saying, you know, first you have to have a mind. Oh, oh, oh. typical mm. blonde joke. Nah, hey, you were the one that just implied that one, man. Dang. This is this is going to be this show is going to get cut short. Yes, yes, <laughs> no, yes. this. I mean, you got to be careful. This show can get cutthroat. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. Speaking of cutthroat and the and women, your mother warns you about. I think we should dive in here, Rachel, and ask him that important question. Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe a woman your mother warned you about, Mark? A few of the women I used I dated in college. Well, wait a second. Tell us more about that. And we'll leave it at that. We'll leave we'll we'll leave it at that. So yeah, there was you know. Your mother warned you about that? Well, my mother sh- yeah. She should have. She should have. Yeah. Maybe Oops. she maybe maybe she didn't warn me enough about it, so. Oh. But you know, college. Need we say more? I didn't go to college, so maybe mm. you should tell us more about that. I think you should tell us more about that. What I do had, you I had I had fun. Hey, okay. Good friend of yours, you know him. Victor Antonio. Uh, we we were we were commenting about college. And he said, Mark, I didn't know that about you. And um, it was funny because I, I was in, well, it, we were talking about high school. In high school, I was into what we referred to as white collar crime. I didn't do the blue collar stuff. We did the white collar stuff. We did the really elaborate stunts. And then when I got to college, we just put it on steroids. And probably the best one was when we took a, a guy who had just been, he had just been dinking around with us all year. And we took him to the mortuary. And we took him to the cooling room, the embalming room where two stiffs had just been brought in and uh, we tied him down to a gurney with these two stiffs around him and left him there. For how long? Oh, it, we, we left the rope. We left the rope a little loose. So we out in about 30 seconds, but let me tell you something. What he screamed, uh, it was unbelievable. And then, and then to make matters worse. Now this is what's really creepy. Um, this is, this is, um, this is many, 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 many years ago when you could get away with this. I mean, today you, you would go to jail. We needed to have proof that we actually took him. Ron Post was, was the gentleman's name that we took him to the mortuary. So we went back in and posed for pictures with the two stiffs. And Randy Endicott, I don't know if Rand, Randy Endicott, um, Ron Post was from the Bay Area. Randy Endicott was from kind of the... Um, the lower part of Washington state, um, Southwest, Southwest part of the state. And Randy Endicott, um, he took off his letterman's jacket and draped it over one of the stiffs. And we took a picture of about the five or six of us with these two stiffs. Now, could you imagine doing that today? I mean, you, first of all, video camera, you would never, it would never happen. Right. You, you would go to jail, but that was the type of stuff I did in college. How did you get into the mortuary? We had a friend who lived there. We had a friend. We had a friend who at lived the there. Mor- 
lived at the mortuary? Lived at, well, back this was back in those days. Back in those days, there'd be a resident. There'd be a resident in the mortuary. Just to make sure nobody got away. Just to make sure that nobody got away. Well, in case somebody wanted to come and visit a bot, you know, you know, you know, whatever. And, and this was very common. So he and and two bodies had just arrived. It'd be a few hours before the undertakers came and, you know, took care of the bodies. So that was all we needed. So we we took Ron Post. His nickname in college was Compost. We called him Compost in college. And um, took him. This was in Seattle. This was, um, I'll go ahead and say the name, Butterworth's Mortuary. I have no idea Butterworth's Mortuary is still there. It was up on Capitol Hill. Sounds like a cracker company. But- oh, I mean, I, I, believe me. I mean, the stuff I did in, I mean, yeah. So anyway, anyway, th- this is totally boring for people. But um, I don't know. It's not th- th- boring there to was, me. There was some bizarre stuff. So, well, what did you major in in college? Did it did what you major in in college directly as lead to sales? As, as, as little, no. Yeah, yeah. If you read my book, you would know that I majored in marketing because it was the easiest thing. I, well, actually, because I wanted to be a disc jockey, and ah, and yeah. uh, and I thought if I got a degree in marketing, I would write advertising copy and I could do voiceover. You're listening to Gina and Rachel, and I <laughs> thought I could do voiceover. So I, you know what, I had the same approach. I had the same approach. I was a radio TV, radio TV film major. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a fun major, right? It was super fun major. And I will say that I used my major. My major was effective for me between all the classes I took. Cause I took radio production. I took PR, I took writing, you know, all the classes I took did truly and still serve me today, which I don't think a lot of people in college can say. Well, I mean, I, I look back on the marketing classes I took. Hey, believe me, they were they were great. I mean, I, I look back. I mean, a um, college was very beneficial for me. But then, back then, anything would have been beneficial for me. When you start out <laughs> low, you can work your way up. It just looks good. Um, but yeah, I, I think it. I think it helped me. Here, here we are. So let's here let's talk. Are. Let's talk about the sales hunter. You were destined to be a sales hunter. Well, yeah. When you got the last name Hunter, I mean, come on. I mean, how, I mean, isn't that a? I mean, let, let's not kid ourselves. That's kind of a cool name. It's a great name. It's a yeah, super yeah, cool name. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, you just you just had to. You, I mean, I had to run with it. And um, yeah. Did you talk? Did you thank your parents for that? Have I? Th- um, I don't know. I guess so. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, some people think it through. My kid has a great stage name. Oh, I love her name. What? What's her name? Her name is Roxy Tipton. I mean, if that is not Roxy Tip, that's cool. That's cool. Isn't that the greatest yeah. stage but name see, now ever? That's a stage name. See, I didn't have to change my name. I didn't have to change my name. And you know, you know, I was born. I came out of the womb. You're a hunter. hunter. Yeah, I love and, it. And, and because I'm a product of the '60s, Mark was a very see. Anytime you hear it, it is amazing how names are known by a generational. I mean, if you hear a yeah, name Mark. True. You know, yep. the guy was born probably in the 60s. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. What are the popular names of 2021? Um, I don't know. Because I, I guess don't. 2021? Uh, I guess we have to wait and see. I know that there was the Britney era where everybody named their oh, kid yeah. Britney. Oh, Britney. That was like yeah. the 90s, 90s, 2000s, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The Britneys, the Tiffany's. <laughs> All the things. I don't think there was a Rachel era. I think Rachel's biblical, so it's just, you know, it's timeless. Rachel's been there forever. It's timeless. Timeless. And, and Gina is just Mediterranean. Gina's a very common name 
in many Mediterranean countries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See? It's like cat. It's like Kathy. Like Kathy. There you go. See? Yeah. See now, your pose right now, Gina. Looks like you are ready to go live on WCBS Radio. Well, you know, I did um, do a stint in radio. There you go. See, yeah. I produced a morning radio show as an as an intern, but it was like a top radio show in Chicago, which was for, super for what cool. Not, and, and, and don't say WGN. No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, man, if you did WGN, wow, like, man. That's old people stuff. I, I know, but I know, but back then that was like the station. I mean, it was cool. No, WKQX with Murphy in the morning. Murphy in the morning. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was pretty. It was a pretty cool show to do. Like, I I got bit by the bug, and, and honestly, that's another reason why I started podcasting. I'm like, I missed radio. I'm like, I'll have a podcast. Oh, I tell you what, morning drive radio. I mean, it, it, it it's a kick in the pants. Mm-hmm. I mean, when if if you're teamed up with the right people, you got the right mix. Um, it's just, it, it's yeah. There's just something special about it. I mean, back that back in the days when everybody was listening to radio on yeah. the way to work. Yeah. Back back in the day, that happened. Back in the day. Back in the day. And it was fun in that internship because Murphy in the Morning was just kind of wild and out there. And it was an adult contemporary format. And But he would like, when the producer was off, I'd fill in as producer. And then, of course, you know, I'd be like the sidekick girl. But I was like so young. And the way they would... Have at it with me. My mother would listen, and then she's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're talking like that." I mean, it was crazy. Well, because you just had to roll with it. I mean, you know what your place was. Look, you were the intern. Yeah. You suddenly had the mic in front of you, mm-hmm. and it was just, <clears throat> yeah, I get it. So fun. I loved it so much. And then they told me I could work there for seven dollars an hour, and I'm like, I'm out. Oh yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, radio does not pay well at no. all. Period. Mm-mm. I mean, no. you know, it's uh, oh, but you can get all. You know, you know. The only reason I liked it is because I got a ton of concert tickets, backstage passes, meet and greets, that yes. type of stuff. But yes. you know, um, <sighs> that was that was the fun stuff. Right, right. I mean, all that, that was like- a kick. I mean, I mean, all the meet and greets you got to do, and all all the different, you know, the swag you got and. Um, free, like I said, free concert tickets. Yep. And, um, I, could, I could like get access to everything. Oh yeah. Oh man. And, and you had friends galore. Cause they'd always say, Hey, got an extra ticket, got an extra ticket, you know? And, um, yeah. Served. It served but me well. Adult contemporary. Now that is so funny because adult contemporary means different things in different markets of the country. I mean, that's, what's so funny. I mean, it's like, Somebody described me what adult contemporary is. I mean, does that even apply today? I don't know. This is we're talking I, I no the idea. early nineties oh. when when and back then I went from that whole internship in television production and all those things, and then I ended up being a marketing director, and then I ended up being a media buyer. And the, oh, right, media like, buyer! Hold it, hold it, hold it! Media buyer. There you get a lot of freebie stuff. Oh, you have no idea, man! There's not a party that goes on in town that you're not invited to. Yeah. Exactly. And my um, everybody that I bought from, I know it's gonna be really hard to believe, but all the different radio stations and television stations, I bought radio, TV, billboard, print, pretty much everything. But my radio sales reps were like, hey, Gina, we've got um, we have a suite for the Bulls game and um, we want you to come because you're the fun client. I never was the biggest client. But I was the fun client that they wanted in the room with the rest of the clients. Right. So I, 
I got invited. You got invited every. I know. I oh, media, everything. And and the best media buyers were always under the age of twenty six or twenty seven, because they could party hardy in into the evening, you know, late late mm-hmm. at night. Yep. And so now, were you working for an agency or what? No, I was internal. So I actually was media buying um, under the role of, as the marketing director for yeah. a live for a live theater show. So yeah, I, I actually bought from multiple live theater shows because we had different shows cycling in and out. That's how I got into live theater through the through marketing that way. And then I got into attraction marketing. But media buying fell into my fell into my realm yeah. of things that I had to do. Yeah, I used to do a lot of work with Blue Man Group. They were fun to work with. Yes. Oh, they were fun to work with. Great yes. show. Great show. Because we, we what we did was we recreated the uh, ticket buying experience to really be part of the show. Oh. In other, words, in other words, the whole idea, the group I was working with was most of their ticket sales are group sales. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they had about, they had four, at that time, they had four permanent shows and two traveling shows, I believe it was. Anyway, um, and, uh, but mostly it's groups, it's groups, groups. Yep. And the whole thing that we did was, uh, as I said, wait a minute, hold, hold, Blue Man Group is such a special experience. We're going to yeah. make the ticket buying, whether it be, whether you're working with a meeting planner, HR department, tour, uh, DMC, whoever it is, make that part of the experience. And we did that. I mean, it was just, it, it just, it was cool. It was. Well, well, tell us more about that. Cause I, well, I think that's yeah, because cool. he, here's the whole thing. People would buy, okay, you know, I need to get a block of 50 tickets for this show and so forth. And here's the thing. No, make that part of the show. Engage with them, engage with them, find out about them. Talk, you know, it, when you, when you have that ticket buying experience, be part of it, then what do they do? They tell, Oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. And then one of the things I also said is look, when you come out of Blue Man Group show, you're higher in a kite. Yes. And you just are on fire. Yeah. And I said, the next day is when you got to follow up with them. Yeah, but we, no, 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 no. The next day is when you follow yeah. up with them because that's yeah. when you book their next tour. That's when you yeah. book their next trip. That's when you, and, and we just made it part of the process and it changed dramatically. A, their ability to retain people, ability mm-hmm. to retain salespeople because now they felt they were part of Blue Man Group. Mm-hmm. But B, it, it increased their, their sales performance tremendously and repeat sales went through the roof because we did this the next day, immediate, fo- immediate follow-up, immediate. Yeah. I love that. This is a great segue into the power of creating experience in sales to continue the sales. I, I, my, I did a workshop today, my what to say when you don't know what to say workshop. And I do a parallel um I look at, I I walk people through what being an improv performer looks like and how that completely transfers over into sales. And there's seven tenets. And the last tenet is to perform for referrals and retention. Because when you give a really good experience on stage to the audience, just like you're talking about with Blue Man and right, like improv is an interactive show like Blue Man. People walk out going, oh my gosh, this was amazing. We're coming back next year. We're telling our friends. We're going to go back to the hotel. And so how we show up and perform on stage brings us more business. Same thing as a salesperson. How are you performing to bring in repeat business where you're not like going after all new business? Well, that's because what you're doing is you're emotionally connecting with the other person. And this is whether it's B2B, whether it's B2C, whatever. When, when I can have that dialogue with you and I allow my personality 
to come through. Unless I'm the, the weird uncle or the crazy aunt in the family, I got a personality that's going to resonate. One of you two are that person. Uh, I'll talk with you later. Uh, but you, you allow your personality to come through. Now, not in a manner that's just bizarre, but just in a manner that's engaging and caring. And when you do that, it's amazing how the other person will come along with you. Because that's really what people want. It. People want to have genuine, authentic conversations. And that's really what improv is. It's genuine and authentic because mm-hmm. it's not scripted. It's improv. No. No. It's, yeah. it's improv is, you know, it, 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 it's you. It's however you feel right now. So it's genuine and authentic. So I, I'm all over what you said today. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I I had a couple of conversations this week where, you know, when you're in a sales conversation and you say, I'm just going to be completely transparent here. And, and when you really are just completely, whether it's on, because it came to mind, I had a conversation. I was actually the buyer in this conversation. And when you start saying, like letting the other person know that, you're going to be completely open and transparent. Then they're like, awesome. I'm glad you said that. And then they're going to be more open and transparent. And they feel like, okay, you're not just trying to get me to give you the credit card. And you know, we're having a real conversation about real, real things. Yeah. But you know what though? See, I, I, I got a little bit of a rub with that. Now, transparency is, is not so bad. But when, when people say, let me be honest with you. Oh, oh so like mm. everything up to this point, has been a bold yeah, face yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. see. But now you're finally being honest with me. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like, so, I mean, you know, how you said transparent, it was, it was delivered empathetically. It was delivered genuine from you, but we have to watch that the words, are we emotionally backing up? Are we emotionally delivering and supporting the words we're saying? Mm. Otherwise it's just words. Mm-hmm. And are, are we genuinely, genuinely curious about the answers that people are giving us. Now you're trying to be really make sure that you're delivering that word genuinely with empathy. There you are. Yeah. Well, you know, see, that's what's funny because so many times people will, oh, uh, let, let me be transparent. I want to ask you a question. And then they hear the answer and they just motor past it. If you're really transparent and you're going to ask them a question, then you're going to ask them a follow-up question of what they shared with you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're going to stick with whatever they shared with you and run with it and build on it. That's how you demonstrate that you care about the other person. Yeah. Mm. Don't, don't sit there and say, oh, we really care about you. We really care. Well, no. Demonstrate it by listening to what I say and asking me questions about what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of all of the amazing sales leaders that Gina and I have interviewed over these last few years in our podcast, of which you are one, Mark. We we have only the same... took two years to get Finally. on the show. So come on. <laughs> Finally. Whoa. We had we had to do a little sucking up first. But <laughs> the the underlying theme that when people ask me what is like what's the key to sales, it's it's the same theme for just from just about everybody is that you have to care and you have to listen. It's as simple as that. And most of the time salespeople overcomplicate those two things. And here's some words from our sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at Sales Gravy University. 
You see, Salesforce University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Well, they overcomplicate because, you know, everybody will sit there and say, oh, I care about your business. Oh, I care. I mean, give me a break, please. Uh, that's like printing on the bottom of a receipt. Thank you for your business. Give me a break. You got to live it. And you live it with eye contact. You live it with body language. You live it with tone of voice. You deliver it by not trying to be the person, but be a person who is supporting the person. And that's the customer. And and I think that's one of the roles that we in sales have to understand. It's our job to make the customer look good. Oh, you hit it, Mark Hunter. That is improv tenant number one is make other people look good. Yeah. Ring Ring the bell. Yeah. But see, isn't it amazing how so many salespeople... I mean, I did... Early on, the reason I got fired from my first several jobs was because I... I didn't, I wasn't about making the customer look good. I just wanted their money. Move on. Yeah. People feel that. Oh, people feel it. People they feel do. People yeah. feel it. I, I wrote instantly. about that in my how not to suck in real estate blog that went on sales very recently because I admit it. I sucked at selling in the beginning because I really didn't care. I just wanted my, my commission check. That's And that's... I'm sure they felt it. I just didn't care at that point. Terrible. I, I got a real estate story. This just flashes back into my mind. This goes way back, Knoxville, Tennessee. We were moving to Knoxville, Tennessee and um, real estate agent there. Uh, we were working with, with a couple of agents and uh, this a- agent said, uh, hey, I'll show you as many homes as you want. She thought she was doing her job. She thought she was doing her job. I'll show you if you want to see 10 homes every day, I'll show you 10 homes every day. She thought that was doing her job. And it's like, lady, that's the last thing I want to do is be looking at 10 homes every day for umpteen weeks until I find the home I like. That's your job. Find the home that's going to be right for me. Okay. Boom. Exit stage right. You know, I mean, and and it was so funny, but she was so full of herself because I still remember because she had a two-door Firebird. Remember? Remember the Pontiac Firebird sports car? Yes. Yeah. Google. For those of you watching right now, Google. Pontiac Firebird. For you youngins. And and this is a real estate agent. Now, how in the world is this going to work? (laughs) Tudor, with not much of a backseat. Especially you. I mean, yeah, exactly. Where do you, where would would we put your legs? Well, I mean, again, because my wife was with with me. So, yeah, and I want to be courteous, put my wife in the front seat. That means I got to curl up in the trunk. (sighs) I mean, but this, you see... She was not 
back to your first stage, making the customer look good by having my legs be scrunched into my chin, but B, uh, taking the time to listen to what it was we were looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and not not wasting your time and dragging you all over creation. It's not it's quality over quantity, not quantity over quality. Exactly. Not to mention having been in real estate, there's no benefit to taking a customer to see 10 houses because you're not going to remember, you're not going to be able to sort out which one which were the top 3. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're going to be like, "Now which one was that with the yellow cabinets?" Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like I'm <laughs> That's like in sales in general, when we give too many things for the for the customer to consider and they're like, I can't wrap my head around it. And Rachel and I just got off of a of a second call with a prospect that while I was presenting a lot of stuff to her, part of the part of it was kind of repeating back what I heard her say was important to her. And then I clumped it into three areas so that it would be easy to process of like, this is what I heard you say is the most important to you. And this is how I see it, how it rolls out with this being the most important priority of all of these things. And then, of course, her response was, oh, you nailed it. That's exactly what we were looking for. And then I'm like, all right, so I'm going to and I kept, you know, prefacing along the way. I'm going to bring you through this process. It's a lot to absorb. You need to absorb it. We're not going to have an answer today. We're probably going to need a couple more calls, right? I just kept taking her on the journey of this is a lot to process. I'm going to take you piece by piece. And then you need to go absorb it, think about it, dial through it. And we're going to talk again in two weeks. Gina's good, y'all. Gina's good. <laughs> I was there for it. Yeah, but see, what what was Gina doing? Well, she was making it, and I was ob- observing the um, the prospect, and I could see her eyes kind of like glazing over of all this material. So Gina was helping guide her and say, "Hey, it's okay. I know this is a lot. We're just we're working through it." Because some salespeople will take a proposal like it was a pretty complex proposal that that we were presenting, and some salespeople might shove it down the the person's throat and then ask for a signature on and a credit card and and it's just way too much to absorb. So it was really, really well done in the way that Gina did keep coming back to, "Hey, I know this is a lot. It's just a starting point. We can rework all of this after you talk to your partners and all that. It was just very well done. I was like, yeah. See, uh, allow the customer to buy on their timetable. Now, it doesn't mean our job in sales isn't to accelerate their time. Uh, Our job is to accelerate the timetable. And and that's why I say, you know, we have to create that air of urgency. But here's the whole thing. You can't get them too far out of their comfort zone because then they shut down. They just simply shut down. They have to to feel like they're in control. Right, right. Understandably. and and this is what's funny. They have to feel like they're in control. Correct. That's feel. That's word. why I said feel. That's right? the key word because it, people always say, "Mark, you 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 want to let the customer drive." I go, "Yeah, I want to let the customer drive. Mm-hmm. I, I I still know where the car is going, but I'm going to let them drive." And what does it do? It allows them to feel like they're in control. Mm-hmm. And they are in turn are going to develop more trust and confidence with me. They're going to share more information. I'm going to gain better insights. I'm going to understand their outcomes better. And I'm ultimately going to get them to their solution, which is not the product or service I'm selling. It's the outcome they want to achieve from the product 
or service I sell. That's where I want to get them. Right. Guys, Mark's good too. (laughs) Add him up there. Let's add Mark's picture to the wall of salespeople. There you go. (laughs) The wall of dudes that know what they're doing. Well, um, let's shift for a second to... I got to I got to talk about this which will segue us into our closing questions. When Gina and I were observing you Mark with Victor and Anthony in the <gasps> mastermind. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this we, is this mm, was a, a mastermind sexy. with some VIP uh attendees at Outbound and we were Gina and I were at the back of the room observing and just put passing notes back and forth like this is so sexy. Like little girls we're little girls. Look how sexy they are, like bantering <laughs> off of each other. Like, I, and my husband's like this too. When he's on a business call, if he's around me and he's on a business call, it's the sexiest thing to me. I just think it's so sexy. But there's, there's, it was just so wonderful to see you three playing off one another and really digging down into what these salespeople were working towards. And each of you had such a unique perspective. Um, like Victor would attack them and, and then Anthony would go over and protect them. And then you'd come in like Obi-Wan Kenobi and save the day. But yet it was really, it was quite a wonderful experience and just freaking sexy. Was there a question there, Rachel? I know. What, what am I supposed to do with that? I really don't know. But see, that's that's a real... That's a that's a real good commercial to buy your VIP ticket for next year. There you go. If you want to see this, so I, you know, it, and it might be for the men too that they can learn how to be as sexy as Mark hey, Hunter. Can, can I? Well, hold, hold, let, let me let me sh- share with you something on that because <laughs> we get a lot of comments back after we do that, and the the comment is, "You guys are competitors, but you're so comfortable with each other." Yeah, we are. Say that, yeah, we all have our own lane, and we're all very comfortable and confident with who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things when you reach that point in sales, you move to the next level. Mm-hmm. You, you just moved because now you're comfortable and confident because you know we were fielding questions that I don't know where these are coming from, but we were running with them. And that's the whole premise. You know, talk about impromptu, that's impromptu, but you mm-hmm. can't do that unless you're comfortable and confident. Right. Well, and and that applies in for all salespeople in all situations. I think a lot of times salespeople see themselves in a competitive market and they are they allow the competition to make them feel intimidated or make them feel jealous or make them feel like they need to work harder, what have you. As long as you know that you you're confident in yourself, then the customer or the prospect is going to be attracted to who you are. I mean, people buy you. We we know this and you have to be very comfortable. And I think seems to me when people are just pitch slapping people like, and just going straight to the jugular and trying to close the deal right away, they're just not confident in who they are and what they're really offering. They're just trying to push the product down someone's throat and get out of there. Because they're more focused on the product than the outcome. See, they, they, they really don't care whether or not this product. I was just going to say, they, they don't care. They don't care. They, they don't care if this product is going to work for this person. All mm-hmm. they want is the sale. And, and it's going to be their emotional high for making the sale and them moving on. Mm-hmm. 
I mm-hmm. want the customer to have an emotional high mm-hmm. from the decision. I, I think that's why it takes me so I don't want to say so long. I spend extra time, Rachel and I talked about this earlier today. I spend extra time working on proposals that we're going to do because I don't cookie cutter anything with our clients. I'm listening to what their desired outcomes are. And then I want to create something that makes the most sense for them. I could take a templated, this is what we offer and call it a day. It's not going to resonate. I'm still looking at the two of you. You got your headset on, both of you with the really fancy mics. And I think I think it's time we go to a traffic report or something like that. I, I, I keep- <laughs> well, it's actually time for our closing questions. And the reason that I brought up how we never sexy talked about my you book. were. We never talked about my book. I, okay, I tried in that. the beginning. Don't worry, don't worry you- I, I could care less. Don't worry. <laughs> so wait, wait. The reason that I brought up how sexy that you guys were in that mastermind is because of these upcoming questions. Here we go. The first of which, Mark, is how would you define the word sexy? Cool. Something people want. Something people want. Intimate relationship. I don't know. I like it. Does that pass? There's Anything no right goes. Or, yeah, I need, there's I no know. right or wrong answer. We get all kinds of, we've had everything from oh, I'm sure you have. things like that to like I, whoever it was that Men said that. Men in baseball pants. Bald, bald baseball players. <laughs> bald baseball players. Mm-hmm. Can't I can't get on board with that, but that's and what I, she found. I forget who said, was it Victor who said like a woman in a long dress? I can't remember. I think it was. Anyway, go on. <laughs> what was that song? What was that song? Long dress? Oh man, I'm losing all my songs from back up on my old playlist. Okay. Well, you, you're from the '60s, right? I know. Please, okay. Can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, second question is: What's the best advice you've ever been given, Mark? Shut up. I mean, you know what? I mean, I, I tell you what: the <laughs> best advice I've ever been given. Can I tell you something? This is what's funny. You know that I had a chance to meet with Warren Buffett back when I was about 28 years of age. I don't wow. know if you know who Warren Buffett is. He's one of the we, wealthiest individuals we, in the world. We know. We look and, young, but yeah, we know. Yeah. And, and, and I had, I mean, he, he's, I don't know, he's worth 70 billion or something like that. Yeah. I had a chance to meet with him when I was about, sit in on a meeting with him when I was about 28 years of age. Wow. And, and I turned it down. And I said, why, why would I want to meet with some farmer guy from the Midwest? Because I was so cocky and so arrogant. Mm. And so I, I think the greatest advice is advice I was told years ago, shut up and listen and observe everything around you. And it's only taken me about 50 some years to learn that. Hmm. I just want to note that Mark Hunter has now hit improv tenant number two. Really? Shut, shut up and listen. Yes. Thank you very much. You must have taken my course. Proceed, Rachel. This is great. It's like, it's a setup. It's great. So what advice do you wish you had been given? Well, the advice, I was given all the advice I had. I I just never chose to listen. I mean, I just never chose. Here's probably the advice is early on, get with peers, hang with peers, learn from peers. In other words, hang out with really smart people. Mm. I think if I had had at the age of 20, 22, a mentor, that really I allowed myself to become exposed to, 
um, I'd be a much different individual today. I, I wouldn't have gone through the painful lessons I went through. I mean, I, I've had a very successful career, but I mean, it just, there's so many lessons early in life that you that was really dumb. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, and, and meanwhile, part of your success today could be from being dumb earlier. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we do, I mean, we all learn yeah. from it. Yeah. I mean, we all learn from those. I mean, again, we learn twice as much from the mistakes we make than from the successes we have. I mean, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. But I, I think that's one of the key things is don't worry about your failures. Don't worry about them. The lesson you need to learn is that you learn from it and you move on. I mean, I look at over the course of my business career, I've had so many failures and yet I look at how some of those failures have led to incredible successes later on down the road. That's huge. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to 100%. that. 100%. Well, we, uh, sadly, we have to go. We would like to have you back, though. Yeah, in another two years. It only took me, like, two years to get on your show. <laughs> we we yeah. called. We emailed. You never oh, responded. Oh, you did not. You did not. We did. We, we did all did. the we I did know. all the things. You're you didn't know who we were. You're like, who are those broads? And and, and now we're the in, in inner circle. So. I care about the two of you. I really Oh, we really feel your care. We do. Yes. We yes. love you. We'd like you to be back. Come back to I, us. Yeah, then we could talk about your book. I did try to get I did try to get into know, that, but you I wanted know, to talk I about know. the mortuary and you wanted to talk about media buying and Gina's <laughs> shit and all that stuff. Hey. So. I could I could share with you some other stuff. Mind me to, next time I'm on the show, remind me to tell you about the last ferry to Bremerton. Ooh, okay. In Deal. the meantime, why don't you tell us where people can get your book and how they can find you? Well, Amazon, best place to get the book, Barnes and Noble bookstores. The book is a mind for sales. And best place to find me is thesaleshunter.com. And yes, Hunter's my real last name, the saleshunter.com. Awesome. Mark, it's been a pleasure as always to have you here with us, the women your mother warns you about. Thank you. Are we breaking up? (laughs) No, we're just, you know, it's not, it's not you. It's us. We need some space. Okay. Okay. (laughs) To be frank, we're overbooked and we've got to go to the next thing. (laughs) I need to change my uh, Facebook um, profile. No, do not change your relationship status. Okay. Just okay. leave it. Leave it as is. We're, uh, hey, Warners, thank you for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy, our sponsor. And for more information about us, you can go to womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com um, and all the other social places you can find us. Uh, Rachel, any final words? All the social places? <laughs> You know what she means. That the sounds social. like a country, that sounds like a country western song. All the yes. social places. All the social places. I, Does it involve I a pickup do. truck? Does it involve a pickup truck? She was honky tonk. You don't want to go there. She was crying on the back of my truck. Okay. <laughs> Warners, thank you so much for listening. And if you would be so kind to share this episode with someone who could use a good laugh and perhaps a few tips on improving their skills as a salesperson. Or about mortuaries. Awesome. We're out of here, Warners. Bye. This really will get serious soon. Yeah. Don't. It doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious.